Uh, we're going to start uh, the actual program, uh, such that it is, and we'll start with Birkas Torah. And yesterday I brought the Mishnah and today I didn't. Okay, but we'll do the actual halachic aspect of it afterwards, or in the middle, or whatever. Uh, which is Birkas Torah, arguably a uh, uh, mitzvah daraisa. Okay, other brachas we know, Rishon Azar, um, what's the word? Rabbanon, right? Benching is a daraisa, and a little bit of a conversation in Alamichia on those things. Uh Rishon is for sure Rabbanon, but Birkas Torah, maybe daraisa, Nafkamina, if you're not sure if you said it, right? You can't just suffer brachas lahakel. Right, at least for one of them, right? Or use Avarab or whatever, all the halachas. We'll, okay, we'll do the halachas when I have them in front of me. But uh, the Haloi Dabarhu, that's a big deal, right? That's something. The Birkas Torah is on a different level than the other yeshivas. The Birkas Torah is on a different level than the other brachas, right? That's a thing. It's not nothing. So, what is that? And so, uh, and what kind of sana? How much kamana do we have at that stage of the morning? Good. Well, we're going to have a little more when we're done. Bezrat Hashem. So, uh, this, for those of you that were in the uh, South Africa shear, um, I apologize. There's a little bit of review for you. I know you guys don't like reviewing stuff. But, too bad. Too bad. Um, well, sure, and there's a of Simcha Zissel Broide. So I was there, Shishiva Chevron Yeshiva. Um, Shishiva Yeshiva Chevron. And he had a question on Simcha's Torah. He had a question. I mean, he's, he's no longer with us, so it was not this Simcha's Torah. He had a question about Simcha's Torah, um, which was the, about the, the Simcha's Torah and Shvuas. Right? We have two days that are both a, seemingly a celebration of the Torah. So what's the deal? I never had a lot of people ask that question, right? Anybody in the, it's a nice vort for the uh, thing. So there's a, I'm sure there's many different answers. Um, but it's his answer that we're going to kind of pursue here to that question. So uh, remind me eventually if we get there. But here we go. This is, we're at the end of Shara Bechino. Segwaying from Sharbachina into Sharbodos Elokim, which is uh, very exciting in light of our current year. Which is, uh, for those of you just joining the Chovos, on page 226, so one, two, uh, the place where we're at right now is, I did all my Shari Yichud work, so I got it, I got it, I got it. I got that God himself is off limits. I can't have any thoughts about God. It's a waste of everybody's time. But uh, this world that he made, the Pulos of Hashem, I, that he literally created them for me to think about and enjoy. That's what this place is for. But the world that he made, I have two things of his that he gave me to enjoy. The world that he made and the Torah that he gave. I have two things here to enjoy. That's it. Lousy, God didn't do anything else. God only did two stuff if you're American Israeli. God did two stuff. One, he created a world, not necessarily in this order. One, he created a world. Two, he gave us a Torah. That is, that's it. All right? So, Pulis Hashem, we got two things. 
And the purpose of those things was to give us a relationship with God. Now, I, that, that stuff I can understand and get involved and enjoy and explore and uh, things. Now I have uh, something that is relatable and understandable that I can build a relationship around that. Right? That was the point of having a world. Excellent. So I got that and I spent all of Shara Bechina now exploring that world and getting to the very basic message of my experience, which is that things are good. That's the punchline. All that exploration and work and self-work and things, uh, uh, he starts in the opening of Shara Bechina with why it is very difficult for us to come to that conclusion. But after all that work and doing your thing and overcoming the three things that eventually we'll get to, your punchline, the punchline is, things are good, right? Starting with, I exist, that's nice, right? I exist is nice, all the way through uh, the fact that there's, you know, currency, the banking system is really nice, right? It's nice I don't have to barter like sheep for things anymore. It's a very large wallet. Are you going to get a Coke from Sammy? you got to bring like a, like a goat every time. How many Cokes for the goat? Let me see the goat, right? It would be very hard to... Our whole world is based off the idea that we have currency. That's also great. Mm. Currency is great. The fact that your teeth fell out one at a time as a child is great. He goes through the whole thing from beginning to end. Everything you can imagine. And I start getting the picture that, wow, everything's really great. Things are great. And then the final uh, challenge there is, what about suffering? And uh, if, you, if you do your work and work with chazals and stuff, you're going to see suffering's great too. And if anything, it maybe is the, maybe is the greatest gift of all, suffering. Doesn't mean you enjoy it, because you don't. That's what, it, that's what suffering means. You also don't ask for it. You don't ask for it, right? Because uh, you don't ask for any tests. But, and we'd always much rather take the other road. If there's another road available, I'd much rather take the other one. But the idea that, in a, in, a, in a real sense, in terms of my actual purpose here, that it, it tends to be suffering that does the most for me, that's, a, that's most of the pshita, okay? that we all can identify very quickly. It's challenges that, uh, those difficult times, that uh, force us into new perspectives and to grow in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a much more serious way. So yeah, so eventually, with the work that you've done, you get to the point that, well, things are good. Life is good, man. And now the South African good in you becomes very deep. Right? It becomes a very deep statement. Right? So at the end, end, end of the thing, he ends with a muscle. Ends with a muscle that he really likes. Now he done made it up, so it's good he likes it. But he very much likes it. About what, uh, when we're now going to come to Avodah Hashem, and specifically what we called phase two of Avodah Hashem, which he sees as the real deal. Right? Not our Avodah Hashem as a training program or as a thing, right? but Avodah Hashem as actual expressions of gratitude and actually us trying to build a relationship with Hashem. Second, what we called stage two of Avodah Hashem, which was always the goal of stage one, like we spoke about. I'll have to do that again as much as I want to. What is that going to look like now? So he says, let me give you a muscle. And uh, this mashal, amazingly, is going to lead into our first mitzvah oh, perfectly. Uh, we're going to take a stop in Sukkot and then come around. Uh, ooh, how should we do this, Yoni? 
What's the right order for this? Mushrooms, you mean? We're going to start with circus. We'll go back, back to front. I know it's hard because we just had circus and it's a whole year away and we have to think about like talk giving the Torah on last week's Parsha, you know? It's like people can't do it. They can't, they can't follow. Okay, so pretend it's not about circus. The Lulav. Everybody's favorite topic, right? When's the last time you thought about Lulav? It's been a while, but try, try, okay, try. It's still true, the Lulav, even though we're not going to shake it for a while. So everybody, you know, you know my, my shtick with the Lulav, okay? Nobody really ever got it. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in, uh, in Lulavs. So Reverse um, takes an approach where the lulav really, and as we, we know part of the simcha of uh, sukkah is, that's chagasi, that's where you are, uh, you gathered in all your stuff, you got everything. And if we were farmers, we would get it better, that after all that work and prayer and fear and uh, thing and za, it's in the bank, the money's in the bank. That is, that's what was happening sukkah time. In the agricultural cycle, it was the equivalent of money in the bank. Things were finally, They've, after the plowing and the planting and all that labor, and then being totally dependent on the weather and crop conditions and things, and just davening and hoping and things, and getting your migrant workers in there to help you uh, harvest everything and put it away, and there's a million ways for things to get damaged or ruined and buyers and other. Finally, it's done and it's there and it's in the storehouse. I've gathered it in, the money's in the bank. That was an incredibly happy time for everybody. So, and we obviously want to direct that happiness in the right, uh, towards the right uh, destination. So first, uh, the Lulav and uh, Esrog represent all of the different categories of good that exist. That if you look around, literally, if you look around this room, and you look around at your experience of the course of the day, uh, the good that you have falls into a few different categories. Now the girl splits them into three categories, and the first splits them into four categories, um, and they're a little differently focused, but okay, we'll go with his. Um, well, we'll go with the Graz uh, first, and then his. Uh, the Graz categories are, he says, from the word are, from the word, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, from the word Tom, the word Tom, that was it. So some things are, part of your experience of good is, uh, the Gret calls Arev, which is the experience of it is positive. Some things you experience is positive, like uh, Coke, for example. Right? Candy, Coke, steak, things. The actual experience of it is sweet. Arev means sweet. It is enjoyable. Sleep. Right? Going to sleep is nice. Right? That's a nice thing. There's experiences that are very positive and pleasurable, and that's one kind of good that we experience in this world. There's another kind of good that we experience here, which is pragmatic, called mo'il. There's things that are beneficial, right? That we're going to call good, even though they're not particularly enjoyable, but they are good, like the dentist, right? Is a dentist a good thing? So we're all going to have to admit that yes. Is a dentist enjoyable? Does anyone want to go to the dentist? No. And the, but we're all happy that there are dentists, because we understand that we need that. And without that, things would go very bad. Like in old days, with no dentists, it was not fun to have teeth. And now it's fun to have teeth, and you can have them your whole life. It's amazing, okay? But it's unpleasant, but it's good. Different kind of good. Paying taxes, right? There's all kinds of, it's, it's pragmatically good. It's 
some things are good because they're pragmatic, right? And that's one of the lessons that kids learn over time. That um, not everything that's good feels good. So those are the two main categories of good that we experience. There's a third category that Gras says called actual good, uh, things that are actually good in uh, essence, and that's only going to be things related to God, to our mitzvot. So we're going to ignore that category for the moment. Going back to Refer, Refer splits it up a little differently, and he says, in terms of how much interaction you need, okay, the world that Hashem has provided us with, there are three uh, gradations, or three levels of, uh, uh, on the spectrum of potential to actual, all this good. Some stuff God gave us is just good with no effort of your own. You don't need to do nothing. It's just good. Right? Like a sunset. A beautiful sunset. Requires no effort of yours. The beauty of nature, these things, the awe of the stars, the, that stuff, what do you have to do to enjoy those things, to experience the tove of those things? Nothing. Look at it. That's it. Look at it, and there it is. That is one level. And that he, uh, we're not going to do the full little up thing, but that's represented by smell. Smells don't require anything. You could just walk by a rose, and it is incredible. All right? Then there's another level, which is it takes, the good is there, but you, it takes a little bit of effort on your part. There's an interaction. The good's like an apple. Right? The good's being provided, but you're going to have to pluck it off the tree, you know, chew it. There's a whole bunch of work involved in the food. Right? Some food is, there's more work, some food less work. But food is something, but the, it's very obvious, I mean, the good's there. It's very obviously good. It's just you're going to have to interact with it to access that good. Okay? That's a whole other level of good that he holds as represented by taste, because that's like the food realm. And the third level of good is, it's out there, but it's, it's basically purely potential. This would be like um, this table, for example, or my phone. Right? Go, find me the phone in nature. Okay? Go. Go find me that phone. Find me any of the components of this phone in nature. You won't be able to do it. There's no apple tree that grows the components for the phone, and I just pluck them and put them together, and now there's a phone. There isn't. But what Hashem did was created a, a potential for those things. Raw materials that I can extract the potential of using monogon, and now I got good stuff. Now I got good stuff. Right? That's the third level that is almost entirely me. Okay, so it's entirely God. Some stuff God just gives you and it's great. Some stuff, there's a little interaction that has to take place. It's good, but I gotta grab it. And some stuff, I basically gotta do it myself, right? But Hashem still provided the raw materials for that. Those are the three levels of good. And if you guys go through your day and think about it, you'll see really everything falls into one of those three categories. Uh, in case you don't believe me, the Chobos Bible said it also in his own way. Uh, the Chovah says in the beginning of Shara Bechina, he says that there are uh, three kinds of good. Sound familiar? So there's three types of good. One, one type of good is, some stuff is uh, very obviously good, right? Clear, obvious. Stuff. Even an idiot could see that that is uh, yeah, some stuff, he says, is unappreciated 
uh, first glance, but if you if you shift your perspective, you go, oh, okay, I see. Oh, I see how that's good. And I see how that's a that's a thing. That's an example he gives like uh, seasons. The idea of seasons is not obvious. It's not obvious why that's beneficial to me. But read a book. You know what I mean, don't take read an article. Read one Wikipedia article later, even just the summary of the Wikipedia article, and you'll understand why seasons are a good idea. Right? And then you can appreciate them. You can appreciate having seasons very quickly. That's like the food level. Right? It's there, but uh, you, know, you may need to read an article before you get it. And the third thing is stuff that you really... That it, it, uh, like he brings death, for example. Some things are going to... You're going to have to do a lot of work before you can appreciate what that is. The good is there, but it's very potential, and you're going to have to work very hard to be able to access and appreciate the goodness of those things. Right? And for that one, for example, suffering. Suffering and death are in that category where it's going to be a lot of work between here and there. Right? It is good, but like the cell phone, there's a lot of steps between nature and the cell phone that you're going to have to go through to get that. Purely a potential thing. That is... So that's reverse versus love thing. Okay? And those things are symbols of all this. The totality of your experience, currently and always and historically, is all tov. Yaakov Nassel. It's all good. And you, it's all good. The whole stinking thing. There happens to be, there are three categories of that. Some of it was obviously good, some of it takes a second, and some of it took work. But everything that you know and have ever experienced and are currently experienced now in this year all fall into one of those categories. Right? You want to throw in the grouse, double thing also, so make the three categories six categories. You could do that too, okay? Two that are six, three that are, three that are six, whatever you want to do, you could do that also if you want to. But for sure in those six categories, seven if you include the final toe thing, for sure in those seven categories, you will find everything that there is to uh, do. Right? Really three, but there's six, which is really seven. Good. And the eighth category, it's time to sound dumb. So, uh, excellent. I never actually did that, the, the six, seven thing. Maybe that's true, right? Could be. So now I have all, so I'm holding all of the goodness of my whole experience of life in my hands uh, with the lulav, and I am shaking them. I'm shaking them up, okay? I, when I, it's not a lulav share, and how shaking lulavs is a way to, uh, is a way to connect all this goodness that I got with Hashem. Great, but it is, clearly. Being mam Hashem and the arba things, it's like shema, right? It's the same uh, little head, uh, Little head movements from Shema that the Mishabir talks about that nobody does. Right? It's the same. Uh, huh? I don't know how to do the up and down one. It's always a little hard. Right? Like the four. Up and down. I don't know how you do that part. But yeah, but you'll see you see some people in show if you watch. You're supposed to be saying Shema, but if you. Some people do it like very subtly. Little head thing. Okay, good. But the Lulav is very, uh, it's very obvious. Arbaruchos and Shema very obvious stuff. Great, but that's a great thing, and I love it. And uh, how does that relate to the sukkah thing? All right, what is the relationship? All that took, because look, we're not agriculturalists. Okay? We're not farmers, any of us here. No, I don't know, are you a farmer? No, none of us here are farmers. So sukkahs does not particularly represent money in the bank. To us, we're not in the agricultural cycle. So are those messages lost on us? Were those the messages of Lulav and those things are, uh, 
it's timely for the farmer and for us, okay, it's good to do that at some point. Of course not. Okay? Of course, there's a, of course it's relevant to everybody. Right? Torah doesn't work that way. So, and you know, according to Rizal and things, you're shaking the lulav in the sukkah, right? There's a whole lulav sukkah connection. So how does that work? That's what the Chovos now at the end of Shara Bechina. Beginning Shara Bechina, gave you the three things from a verse that is the lulav. At the end of Shara Bechina, he's going to give you the sukkah. He doesn't mention lulav or sukkah even one time. These were all kiddushim that we generated this sukkah with the help of Nathan Abramson and Yon Schoenfeld. Uh, these were our kiddushim from this year. Uh, some of them. Here's the mashal, and we will start the mashal and then uh, continue next week. Imagine, says the Chovos, that you were born in the king's prison. You were born in a prison cell. That's all you've ever known, is this prison cell. And the king has a, a servant who he has tasked with making sure you're taken care of. And so you've always had health care, right? And dentistry. And you've had clothes, and they change your shoes when they outgrew them. And you've always had enough light, right? Light used to be a thing back in the day. You always had candles and light and food. You always had nutritious food to eat, so you were sustained. And you always had what to drink. That is, you've been cared for your whole life, but that is all you know is your prison cell. Right? And you're not upset about it because for you, that's all there is. You're not like upset that I'm locked up because <coughs> you don't know that you're locked up because this is the extent of your universe, is this one room that you're in. This one prison cell is all you've ever known, and therefore it is to you the totality of everything. As this child in the prison, and as the child grows up and now becomes mentally aware and awake, so the servant now tells him, guess what, guy? I actually, I know I've been bringing you everything, but I, I, I actually am just a messenger of, from the king. And this prison that you're in, he owns it. And all the food that I brought you, that's all from him. And the drinks, and the light, and the clothes, and the healthcare, it's the royal doctor. And the dentist, it's the royal dentist. Right? That's been the whole time, everything that you've received, everything that I've arranged and brought for you and taken care of you, and this whole experience that you're having, all of it is from the king. All of it, bringing it down. And it would be appropriate to say thank you. Says the shliach. Now that you're old enough to appreciate what I'm saying, it would be appropriate to say thank you. This ties very much into, anyway, I'm gonna stop saying things tie in because they, they, they should just assume everything ties in. So the kid says as follows, I praise the master of this pit that I'm in, okay? That's how prisons used to work. It wasn't like modern hotels. They were, what do they call those things? There's a French word for it, right? <laughs> this pit, this prison cell. I praise the master of this cell, this, this pit. He took me as his servant. And he singled me out for all of his goodness. And he has placed his eye and his heart upon me. Oh, praise, praise be. Praise be, Lord of the pit. Don't 
Don't say that. Pentecheta. That's a sin. He goes on to explain. You think he's master of the pit? You think you've been singled out for all of his goodness and that his eye and his heart are upon you? You don't even... You're, really? The kingdom of that we're talking about involves millions of people over the course of an entire continent. And there's a bit going on that you, you can't, you could not literally possibly imagine what it is that the king is paying attention to and how far and wide his goodness spreads. The sheer number of servants that he has and uh, uh, his people and how much goodness. Though you couldn't understand roads and things. You don't even know what I'm talking about. War, stuff. You literally have no concept of these concepts. What the king is up to for real, what the king is actually doing, is beyond your, forget your reality, beyond your wildest imaginings. You think you got singled out? That's insulting. That's an insulting thing to say, to call the king the owner of the prison cell, master of the prison cell, who singled me out. He's, he's not master of the prison cell, this is a tiny speck. And you are a tiny speck in the gigantic thing that is the king's kingdom, Let's uh, get, get our heads on straight here. So the kid says back, and we'll end with this and pick up with the tarots tomorrow. The kid says back, because the kid's been reading the Chovos of Avos, obviously. The kid says, nice story. Well, I didn't understand half the words you said, but whatever you spoke about, wars and roads and whatever that stuff was, and millions of people and things. Great. Lovely story. I have no idea what you're talking about. All of that is absolute fantasy, as far as I can tell, right? It may be true. I have no reason not to trust you. It's not real for me. So you want me to praise the king? You want me to give thanks? I can only do it in the world that I live in. So you're saying there's more, there's things, there's that. Okay, great. But I have to praise God and relate to him and be grateful to him for the world that I've actually experienced. I can uh, start praising him for a world I have no... I don't even understand or have any inkling of, that would be uh, phony. I'm trying to be real, and this is my experience of the king, is this cell, and the water, and the bread, and you. This is my experience. And that's what I'm expressing. I'm praising and I'm thanking him for that. What do you want me to do? Praise him for the incredible, totally not understandable thing that you just said? That wouldn't be real. What is, I'm, I'm being real. And that's a beautiful kasha, right? And a very true kasha. How will, the, uh, how will the servant answer this question? What will the kid do in the end? What does it have to do with sukkah? How are we going to time the lulav and then break the Torah? All of this and more. <laughs> Tune in next week as we rejoin our heroes in their path towards trying to make something out of their lives. After, <laughs> after this commercial break of Friday and Shabbos. We'll pick up again Sunday. Oh, right, on Sunday. We'll pick up again. Monday. This place is actually falling apart. Right? <laughs> Literally something just fell from the ceiling. Right? This place is actually... It's okay. They don't, they don't know if they know. Yeah, we're all friends here.